and welcome to Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to children of the 80s, 90s, and even into the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. This episode, uh, I actually have, I got a friend of mine who I used to work with, uh, Stephen, Stephen Ring, is joining us. Stephen? Hello. And of course, we have our co-host, Mike. Hello. You usually here. Hello, Mike. Uh, we are going to do a film that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to come out and say this. Okay, this is hotly debated here. I know that there's going to be a debate on this on this episode. Mm-hmm. This is a. This is a movie that happens at Christmas, in my opinion, in Mike's opinion. Stephen, <laughs> let's let's settle down. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Stephen contends that this is the greatest Christmas movie of all time. Uh, As it should be. Uh, okay. Uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Jonathan Tadarian or Tadarian or however he says his stupid Canadian name, um, <laughs> he posted a picture on Facebook uh, the other day. There are two types of people in the world. Those who think Die Hard is a Christmas film and those who are wrong. <laughs> exactly. So apparently Doug and I are in the wrong, but that, that it needs to be the other way around, honestly. That's serious. Okay. You know what? We can still be friends. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's one of those things where, okay, sure, it has, you know, everybody's like, uh, one, of, one of my biggest uh, buddies, uh, Mike Dodd from ThisWeekInGeek.net, he's like, oh, but it has its own Christmas song. It has the song that Argyle plays. I'm like, okay, Lethal Weapon 2, ha- or Lethal Weapon has Jingle Bell Rock. Does that mean that Lethal Weapon 1 is a Christmas movie? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I can see where this is going to go. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? A Lethal Weapon is not as much of a Christmas movie as Die Hard is, okay? Die Hard, you know, it's got action. It's got romance, okay? There's Christmas cheer all over the place. It's got everything a Christmas movie should have. Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll kind of argue that only because, it, as, as it stands today, I just happened to see on Gizmodo this thing that was posted up. Uh, it's actually on exploit.gizmodo.com about Die Hard being one of the best Christmas movies to watch because you've got Santa shit crammed down your ass all Christmas season. This movie isn't quite that. So for that, I'll give it that. <laughs> I'm almost willing to say that out of all of the Die Hard films, the second one is more of a Christmas movie since he is traveling during the holidays. Well, he's traveling during the holidays in this one also. We just don't see that part. Well, he gets to a tower and then he gets I, I, stranded. I mean, how is that traveling? <laughs> well, he tra- he traveled from New York to L.A. They just Okay, that's, that that's, that's true. That's yeah. true. So let's go ahead here. Let, let's, let's talk a little bit about the history of this film here. For anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, we are talking about the very first Die Hard movie. This is the one that basically made Bruce Willis an action star. Came out in 1988. This is the one that got him off of moonlighting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he went from being David Addison to being John McClane. Badass. <laughs> so I'll give him that. Uh, there, there's a couple things on this here. Basically, the, the film takes place around a bunch of guys who, uh, ter- some quote-unquote terrorists who show up at Nakatomi Building 
and start trashing the building there. We've got New York Police Department who shows New, New York Police Department guy who shows up. Bruce Willis shows up to basically kick some ass, and he kind of just gets in the middle of this whole thing. Uh, the film is actually based on a book, and I, I was really kind of surprised to see this. It's based on a sequel of a book. Uh, it's called Nothing Lasts Forever, and the, the that's the sequel name. The original book was called The Detective. Now, here's a little bit about this. Originally, it, that film, The Detective, there was a movie that came out on it that was starring Frank Sinatra in it. And he played a guy uh, by the name of, let me see here, I've got it written down here. Uh, he played a guy by the name of Joe Leland. So you've actually got John McClane and Joe Leland, who are basically the same guy. And they're spread out roughly 20 years apart from when these films are made. And they actually came along and they were going to offer this film. They actually did offer the lead role to Sinatra because they were contractually ob obligated to do this, mm -hmm. which I thought was hilarious. I, I can't see Sinatra doing it. I, I just can't at all. I mean, yeah, no, he's I, a could, badass. I couldn't see Sinatra dropping a yippee ki motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, it's just not him. Uh, but they actually did offer it to a bunch of other people. They offered it to Arnold Schwarzenegger because they thought that, oh, we could pull this off as being a sequel to the action film Commando. Uh, uh, no. Yeah, no, yeah. I, no. I know. Uh, but no, this this whole thing, they made it on $28 million. And it went on to gross $140 million theatrically worldwide. Got basically a, a positive reception from the box office and from critics. Uh Again, as we said, turned Bruce Willis into an action star, uh, became a frequent comparison for other action films where you have a lone hero fighting overwhelming odds. Uh, and I will say this. I consider this being one of the greatest action movies ever made. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that hands down. It's yeah. just not a fucking Christmas movie. It one isn't. One of the greatest action Christmas movies of all time. <laughs> God, you're going to argue that to the grave, aren't you, Stephen? Well, there's not really an argument. I mean, I can make my point all over the place. <laughs> Ugh, that sounds messy. <laughs> all right. Uh, so we'll go ahead and we'll move in here. Uh Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the plot. Uh, Steven, I know that you love this film. Why don't you give us a little bit of background on the film here? All right. So John, John McClane, he's, he, he comes to New York. He, he is invited, not by his ex-wife, but his, by, by his wife's boss. It's L.A. Wait, L.A., it's, asshole. <laughs> whatever. Actually, you get it from, wrong first. I said, I said from New York. Oh, okay. there we from go. New York to, from New York to L.A. You know what? Don't start. <laughs> <laughs> by his his wife's his, his their separated boss you know sends Argyle to come get him who's hilarious by the way <laughs> I wish I had a driver like that I you think know? we all and, do yeah. exactly you know and he's he's trying to settle in in this little back room by himself you know doing the little co toe curl thing in the carpet which very relaxing and all hell breaks loose you know, you have terrorists coming in, you know, shooting up the place, you know, and, and really they're, they're just there to rob the place. That's what they're there for. They're not really you terrorists. They're, they're terrorists. Let's <laughs> yeah. call them what they are. Yeah. They're terrorists. <laughs> they're Christmas terrorists. You know? They're GQ models. Yeah. 
Well, Alan Rickman at the time, I mean, you know, he was, he was eloquent. I wanted to be Alan Rickman back then. Are you kidding me? Well, yeah. let, let's put it this way. We all want to be Alan Rickman, but we want to be Alan Rickman from Die Hard, not from, you know, uh, Harry Potter. I don't think anybody would be Severus Snape. Yeah, no, no. Before you continue, Stephen, the funniest thing I find about this movie is you have Andy Griffiths and one Chuck Norris's sidekick as the tech guy, <laughs> Clarence Gilliard Jr., who played um, the second sidekick of Matlock. Uh, I think his name was Connor. I honestly not looking at any info. I believe his his name was Connor or Tyler or one of those damn names. And it was, then it was Theo. Oh, that's right. No, 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 no. I'm saying in Matlock, his oh, in Matt, name okay, was, okay. All right. yeah, in Die Hard, his name is Theo, but in Matlock, right. his name was Connor or Tyler or something or other, I forget. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> X number of years later in the 90s, he becomes Chuck Norris's bitch. Yes. <laughs> Walker, Texas Ranger. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh. And see, Everybody I had, was Chuck Norris's bitch. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. I, honestly, like, it had been, when I, I'm trying to even remember when I first covered this over on Geekcast Radio Network, when we first covered the original um, quadrology, when it was still four movies before that crappy fifth one, um, it had been so long uh, since I had seen the first Die Hard, when we first covered it on on Movie Week and Review, that I, I just, I didn't remember the movie. And I, I had watched it again. This is about, I don't know, four or five years ago. I had watched it again. I'm like, hey, what's what's Trevette doing here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I kind of did the same thing with, when I saw Reginald Vell Johnson. I was like, dude, Carl, what are you yeah, doing here? Can I do that? I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for Urkel to show up. Oh, well, okay. Now, I know Stephen has seen this. I know Stephen well, has seen this. Right. Go ahead, Stephen. Well, wait. What am I going ahead with? Oh, I Hang thought on. we were going to talk about Chuck. Okay, yeah. See, yeah. So that's, that's where he reprises his role as Sergeant Al Pal. And Big Mike, who was the manager at the time of of the Bymore are him, him and, and Al power cousins. I love that. It was just hilarious to see it. That whole episode was just a diehard episode waiting, you know? Yeah. And that's, and that's what that's, I I read that that's what they based it on was diehard. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those writers were hilarious. With, With some of the stuff they pulled off. I mean, you had, you know, they were making fun of Terminator. They were making fun of, of, uh, living daylights and Timothy Dalton and, you know, they even put in Scott Bakula's little oh boy bit all over Chuck. But that's neither yeah. here nor there, since that's another but see, story. But that episode of Chuck, see that, you know what, that makes my point right there. That episode of Chuck was an homage to Die Hard, you know, and that episode of Chuck was the greatest Christmas episode of Chuck ever. Okay, I'll give you that. It was the greatest Christmas episode of Chuck. An homage to the greatest Christmas movie ever. <laughs> He is not going to let us live this down, is he? You know, you you can deny it all you'd like, but I mean, the signs are just all over the place with this movie. (laughs) You've got everything. Oh, 
Well, we know that we we've I know we've kind of wandered away from the plot a little bit here, but we go through. Uh, I know that they have a whole bunch of of explosives and detonators and everything. Uh, there, basically, I, I love how the film just goes. It's basically him fighting impossible odds, going through and kicking ass against, you know, as we said, basically the Germans who've come in, which that was something that bugged the hell out of me with with uh, Rickman is that I kept listening to him. I'm like, I don't really hear a German accent. You know, it, you, you get a little teeny bit of it, but no, it's it's not. It's not there like you're expecting. Yeah. Although there, the one scene that I, I had to die laughing at, he turns to the German guys and he yells at them in German to shoot the glass. And the guys are like, what? And he goes, over and shoot over the glass. Again, yeah. Shoot the glass. <laughs> oh, and he says that in English. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of like, and of course, the really bad thing about this is that their German was all over the place. Uh, quite a few people who were who were actually German listening to this were like, their German, their grammar for the German is really bad. So I was kind of like, mm. but uh, no, I, I, I love this here. Just how they go through, how they end the film. You know, you've got McLean and yes, we are going to spoil it because again, if you haven't seen it, well, too fucking bad. The movie's been out for almost 30 years. Come on. Yeah. Guys. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think we're good there. You know, yeah. spoilers, folks. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, when, when they have, when they do the explosion on top with the helicopter, they have the fire coming out and then they kill off Hans by dropping him off the building. I love that scene. That was Which just is the, the best, the best slow motion scene that there is. Oh yeah. You know, unstraps the watch and there he goes in slow motion. The face, it's fantastic. Well, and, and then they cut to the scene outside the building where they just go full speed and bunk. Bump. <laughs> well, and the funny thing with that drop, that look of fear, that look of horror on Rickman's face was actually real. He was actually going to be dropped 25 feet onto an airbag. And they said, okay, what we're going to do, Alan, is we're going to do the drop and we're going to go three, two, one, go. And we're going to let you go on go. So he's going, all right, good. I'm getting myself all psyched up for this. Three, two, one, they let him go. <laughs> so that look of terror, yeah, that's genuine. Once again, kind of reminds me, do we go on three or do we do three and then go? <laughs> now, why do we have to keep bringing Lethal Weapon into this? Are you kidding me? These are the two classic <laughs> 80s action movies that are side are. by side to each other. Yes. They, they are. Yes, and they we'll are. have to we'll have to cover *Lethal Weapon*. I know that both both fantastic Christmas movies. <laughs> Man, um, so the whole point in this whole movie is that Rickman and his associates uh, they try to make this ruse of the whole political prisoner thing, and that's just malarkey. Um, they basically want all the platinum. Yeah, yeah that's pretty, all they want. They're pretty just, much, they're just biding time with the FBI. Yep. You know, so they can do what they need to do. So Theo can drill through the locks, and that last one's going to need a miracle. Oh wait! See, and miracle. this is where the Christmas—this is where the Christmas comes in, right here. It's Christmas, Theo. It's the time of miracles. I'm just saying. Oh Lord. You're okay. So there's a little bit of Christmas right there. Good uh-huh. Lord. Look, I'm just—you know—he. Okay. All right. Let let let's go through this logically here. 
All right. Let's so we hear start the side. movie. So we start the movie at a Christmas party. He goes upstairs, middle of a Christmas party. Okay, you can't get any more Christmas than that. Okay. All right. Uh, All right. And then Hans throwing out the Christmas, you know, wish that it's, 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 it's a time for miracles. You can't deny that right there. Okay. All right. All right. And then, and then later on, you got Richard Dick Thornburg, <laughs> you know, who, who has his, his assistant find the, uh, where, where, you know, John McClane's kids live, where they live. Mm-hmm. And he asks them what they want for Christmas for their mommy and daddy to come home. Yeah. Okay, but that also- Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> oh, good lord. All this that means is, is that it takes it's, place during Christmas. It's a Chris. You know, there's, there's Christmas. And you know what? This wouldn't be complete without a Hallmark ending, okay? And John McClane and his wife getting back together at the end. Okay, you if know what? If that doesn't say Hallmark Christmas movie, I don't know what does. But nowhere in the movie does anybody get their eye shot out. Yeah, you know, and that's fine. Not all Christmas movies have an eye getting shot out. That's fine. And let's, you know what? Let's not forget that the the Christmas tape that he used to tape that gun to the back of, you know, to his back that he shot Hans with, with two bullets. Okay, that's a Christmas miracle right there. He took them both down with two bullets. I'm telling you, there's Christmas all over the place. All right, Merry friggin' Christmas, right? This is the greatest. This is a, this is a this is a genre a genre that has never has never gotten the credit it deserves. The action Christmas genre, <laughs> okay, and it, it deserves so much more credit than than it actually gets. You know, Die Hard, greatest Christmas movie of all time, Lethal Weapon, fantastic Christmas movie. I'd let my kids watch those. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's move on to the I, cast. I can see by your silence, that you're 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 starting to turn I, slowly and see my side of the. the no, the I'm I'm just wondering when Amanda Waller's going to show up and haul you off to Arkham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's cra- he's definitely crazy. So, <laughs> uh, let's move on to the cast here because we have this. This film really was a jumping off point for a lot of people, and absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we've got, obviously, we've got Bruce Willis, who's been, he's been in umpteen million films since this. I mean, he, you know, he did Striking Distance. He did all the Die Hard films. He's done Expendables 2 and Expendables 3, you know. No, he did not do Expendables 3. I'm sorry, no. you're right. No, he did not, because he wanted, yep. <laughs> this is so, I found this so <laughs> hilarious, and just such a, 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 a facepalm moment. He wanted four million dollars for four days work he wanted a million bucks a day and sly went out and said nope you're not getting it and and replaced him with um um who was it um uh, mel so (laughs) john mcclain got replaced by martin riggs that's amazing (laughs) that is amazing But you know what? Again, he replaced him with a guy that's just in another action Christmas movie. <laughs> so we're okay with that. All right. All right. <laughs> but no, I, like I said, I, we've had Bruce Willis as just tons of things. Obviously, you know, from his early days, really his – where everybody remembered him from before they saw this film was David Addison on Moonlighting. You know, mm-hmm. him and Sybil Shepherd mm-hmm. running around, and he was comedy at that point. Nobody thought that he could pull off this action film, and look what's happened, you know, 
almost 30 years later. Where is he now? He's playing all these action type roles. I mean, you know, how many times do you have to see live free or die hard with him standing on the back of a jet and, you know, an F-35 as it's coming down? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, granted, it's completely unbelievable, especially considering. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's, and it's not a Christmas movie. True. It's a Fourth of July film. <laughs> See, action Fourth of July. Yes, yes, and, and of course we have a good day to die hard, which came out on Valentine's Day weekend. You know, I still haven't seen that. Neither I, have I I just don't know if I want to. I've heard it's absolutely horrible, and just I've, I, I, I pretty much stopped with Die Hard with a Vengeance. No. That's, I will say, because I refuse to call it what it's called, I will call it what Bruce originally wanted it to be called, which is Die Hard 4.0. Um, I will say Die Hard 4.0 is a good modern-day Die Hard for the you know the technologist in us all. Yeah. Um, it's not an overtly bad film. At least we see that you know his daughter is still alive for the most part. And it's kind of nice to see the Apple guy outside of his Apple versus PC commercials and Justin Long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, go ahead, Steven. No, go ahead. I was just going to say that it, it was, it was a lot more unbelievable. Like when you see him jump out of the car, he flings the car up on that thing to blow up the <laughs> helicopter. I was kind of like, really, really, you know, yeah. that was, there was a lot of unbelievable shit in that one, but this one here, the original Die Hard. Lots of good stuff to remember him from. So, uh, again, moving down the cast here, we do have as well Alan Rickman, who, again, as everybody knows, this is Severus Snape. Uh, I I love Alan Rickman. He's he is just a he's a great actor. He does a lot of Shakespeare Shakespearean things. Uh, one of my favorite roles that he ever did was in uh, Dogma, where he plays an angel. Yep. <laughs> and, it's absolutely hilarious. If, if you guys haven't Fantastic. seen it, go out and see it just for that because he's he can't drink, but he can taste all the alcohol. He's got mm-hmm. no dick. <laughs> you know, he plays Metatron. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the voice of God. It's hilarious. Uh, you know, of course. And going down the list here, we've got Alexander Goodenough. Uh, I I would love it if. <laughs> the voice of God actually was the voice of God because if Alan Rickman actually wrote Alanis Morissette songs, that would be amazing. Oh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> be an improvement. <laughs> um, the re the most recent thing uh, he is filming for 2016 Alice in Wonderland through the Looking Glass. Uh oh. Uh, Another Alice in Wonderland movie, ladies and gentlemen. I wonder if yeah. it's going to be directed by Tim Burton. God, I know. Oh, James James Bobbin is directing it. Um, uh, let's see here. What's uh, a little chaos? He played King Louis the Fourteenth uh, this year. Uh, next year, Alan's got Eye in the Sky, where he plays a lieutenant. Um, he's in post production on that, but um, but yeah, no, I mean he's. He's a really, really good actor. Yes, and one I have to bring up because I almost forgot about it until I went and looked at IMDb. I can't mm-hmm. believe I, I almost forgot this movie. <laughs> By Grabthar's Hammer, what great savings. <laughs> For anybody who's seen Galaxy Quest, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I, I, I loved him in Galaxy Quest just playing an alien 
you know, kind of playing a, a, the Spock type character for that. We'll have to cover that one. I know at some point. Mm. Yeah, I know. I know. You're like, eh. no, it's, it's fun. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, I loved it for what it was. And Alan Rickman, again, showing his acting chops. Mm-hmm. Shall we talk about Mr. Vernon? We ha- you have to. Yes. <laughs> you have to. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get, You'll the, get horns. the horns. Yeah, he basically <laughs> plays the exact same character. The, I mean, it's okay. It, do it. Deputy Dwayne T. Robinson is not the exact same character as Mr. Vernon, but Paul Gleason essentially plays the same character type in two different movies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you watch it, you can't stand either of them. Mm-hmm. You're not on their side at all. I kept waiting for him to go, you want another? Okay, good, you got one. You want another? <laughs> That's another one, right there. Yeah. yeah. It's just simply amazing. And Paul Gleason, before he passed away in 2006, uh, he's had an interesting career. Um, you know, his first, uh, I'm trying to make sure it's, oh, wow. Yeah, he's pretty old, ladies and gentlemen. I believe he started, one of his um, most major roles that people might remember him from he was he was on a, he was on soaps. He was on All My Children as Dr. David Thornton from seventy six to seventy eight. Well, let's, let's not forget about his biggest role ever. Looks like it was Jeremy from Ewoks: The Battle for Endor. No, oh. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, he was on Mission Impossible in seventy two. Um, but I mean, you know, every, everybody remembers him from, you know, obviously breakfast club. Uh, he was on an episode of Kate and Alley in 86. <laughs> he was on two episodes of the A team. Yeah. I mean, it looks like he just, yeah, he kind of spanned the eighties, did a lot of those major shows that we all remember mm-hmm. watching Falcon Crest. Oh, Hey, beauty and the beast. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So yeah, he's all over the place. He was on LA Law in '91 and of course, 21 Jump Street. Yeah. Oh Jesus. <laughs> and of course, we cannot forget him being the dean of the college that Ryan Reynolds attended in the movie Van Wilder. Mm-hmm. He's pretty much his same character. He he's a little bit more mellowed out though. Oh yeah, he just wanted Van gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wanted him to rise to his potential. Yeah, it was it was more of a graduate and get your ass out of here. <laughs> uh, oh my god, he was in Walker. He was <laughs> Dr. Harold Payton in Walker, Texas Ranger, nineteen ninety seven episode Brainchild. Oh, he was Chuck Norris's bitch. Ooh, that's I the most after Breakfast Club and all that, and after um, uh, Van Wilder. He was also he play he reprised Vernon in Not Another Teen Movie. Yes. Um. Oh. But he played um, shock jock Howard Stern wannabe Mickey Tripp in Nash Bridges in the episode Hardball. That was amazing. Oh. Seeing him as a Howard Stern wannabe. <laughs> <laughs> but you know I could see him pulling that shit off. <laughs> oh, of course. He just got that attitude. He, he yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, so let's move on down the line. Of course, we've got, you know, we do have to mention... Uh, some of the others here. We've got to bring up Carl. <laughs> Let's talk about Carl for a second. Uh, Reginald Vell Johnson. Yep. Uh, I, I love this guy. He's Reggie's done a lot of stuff. 
Uh, again, one of these character actors that you always see. Everybody recognizes him from Die Hard and Die Hard 2. He was in Die Hard 2. Uh, he did have a little bit part in Ghostbusters. Uh, and, of course, he was a cop in Family Matters. <laughs> you know, anybody and you know what I just... You know what I just found? See, mm-hmm. this is what legitimizes this right here. <laughs> just found this on IMDb in 2013. He did a diehard Christmas party. Oh, no. no. Legit. No. There it is. That's the piece I was looking for. Uh-huh. You found the one thing that ties it all together, right? It ties it all together. Oh. Well, he's done quite a bit. I mean, when we look here, he was Holly's dad on, on the Mistletones movie that they did for ABC Family. Uh, he was Father Kersey in the Neighbors TV series. Uh, he's been, oh God, my my wife would love this. He's been Dash DeWitt on Heart of Dixie for 43 episodes. I honestly think outside of Family Matters and outside of being... Al Powell in the Die Hard movie. Um, the earliest, most famous role, well, the earliest, most famous movie we've all seen him in, he was Gus in Crocodile Dundee in yep. 1986. <laughs> oh, no, I, and we all love Carl Winslow. We all love Reggie Bell Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just so much for him. And, you know, he, my God, he did a video game he was Sergeant Al Powell in Die Hard Nakatomi Plaza. I just happened to see that. Mm-hmm. Good Lord, he's been all over the place. Wait a second. Perfect Strangers and Family Matters didn't cross over, did they? I think they did, like, one episode. I was going to say, because it lists him here as Carl Otis Winslow in Crime Busters for Perfect Strangers. And I'm like, wait, 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 what? Because I don't remember perf- I don't remember uh, family. Oh yeah, eighty nine. It did start in eighty nine. I thought it started in ninety. Yeah, and, and you could have that because they both took place in, in Chicago. So mm, it that's worked. true. It worked. Yeah. I just don't think the crossovers, you know, the then were, were like they are now. I mean, they're just completely blatant and oh yeah, in your face. You know. Well, I think the you know the. the, the that that would be an interesting podcast discussion for us to have TV, film, and whatever kind of crossovers between each other. Because mm-hmm. if if a TV show does a crossover right, they you know it's everyone will love it. If they do it wrong, they'll hate it. I think for me, most of the time with crossovers, it's like, hey, what's he doing here? You yeah. know, <laughs> like um, I had mentioned uh, to somebody recently about um, one of the fi- is after. Uh, and I can't believe I'm going to bring this up, but it, it ties back into the 80s. Um, one of the final episodes of Boy Meets World, it's where Corey and Topanga are are talking about planning their wedding. And uh, the episode is entitled, They, they, they Are Killing Us. Uh, so they go through all this stuff, and, and uh, William Russ, as the father of Corey, says, okay, so I got George and his jazz band, George Feeney and his jazz band to be the musicians at the reception. Now if I can just water down the drinks, I can get through this whole thing for about 70 bucks. Feeney comes in tooting a horn. He sees this other lady who's in the episode who's just this really whacked out chick. And he's like, yeah, sorry I didn't call. I guess it's somebody from his past. He starts talking to his watch. And I'm like, yes, William Daniels talking to his watch. That's amazing. 
That is freaking amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh. Um, let's see what else has read you been in. Um, Ghost Whisperer, Monk. Um, he repri- uh, reprised Alan Chuck, as we already said. Meet the Browns most recently. What's he doing? Let's see. Uh, the the Nighthawk Christmas Party was only last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Holy cow, he was the voice of Abel in Tron Uprising. Yep. I, you know, I watched that and I didn't even realize that. Didn't put <laughs> two and two together. Yep. Um, all right, who else are we talking about? Well, we got to cover, we got to cover Alexander Goodenough. Uh, okay. I know people are like, who the hell was he? He was in an excellent, excellent film with Harrison Ford. Witness. Uh, yes. And he plays an Amishman. And to see, you know, to see him going through that, one of the best lines that he had in the movie, he and Harrison Ford are going back and forth and trying to milk a cow. And <laughs> he, he looks at Harrison Ford and he goes, what's the matter? You've never had your hand on a teat before? And Harrison Ford looks at him and goes, not one that big. <laughs> Um, wow. Yeah, I, I mean, he always plays like these these tough Swedes or you know German types. He might have the shortest filmography as an actor on IMDb I have ever seen. He started in 1970, uh, and you know he passed away uh, in '95. Wow. So his last role was The Zone. But honestly, out of his filmography, <laughs> Die Hard is Carl. And then good old the maestro. No, not the Seinfeld maestro, but the money pit maestro. Yes. <laughs> Opposite time. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. Like I I never drew the the conclusion between Carl from Die Hard and the Maestro in Money Pit. Yeah. <laughs> Until I saw his picture. I'm like, holy crap. Oh, but yeah, I mean I, I loved him for the roles that he played. You know, mm-hmm. Witness, The Money Pit, Die Hard. He was excellent in all of those films. But he always played, you know, this big German or big Russian type character and did a great job of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do find it funny that he went to school with Mikhail Baryshnikov, who tried to do a movie as well. And just don't. Don't even bother looking up White Knights. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> Uh, you know, M- Mikhail Baryshnikov should have stayed with dancing and not bothered to try and act. We'll just leave <laughs> it at that. Uh, but yeah, I-, I think that's pretty much all that we have here for for our cast. I mean, there there are other people in the cast, don't get me wrong. You know, you've got William Atherton, Art Bachner, um, you know, William Atherton, let me see here. I'm trying to see what... Well, Murder, she wrote, Diagnosis Murder, Frank and Jesse... Oh my uh, god, I forgot. He was Walter Peck in Ghostbusters. Yep. Peck! Walter Peck. Oh, yes. He, and you know what? He played the same type of douchebag character in that. Yep. As he played in Die Hard. Yep. Except Walter Peck was a little bit more douchey than, than Thornburg. I don't know, okay? He went after his kids. That's pretty douchebag. Okay, though. yeah, but That's I mean... Douche, you know? Yeah, that's true. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> and he came... God, you know, it's been a while, and I'm going to have to go back and watch Die Hard 2. He was apparently in Die Hard 2 as well. He was only in it for like one and a half scenes. Yeah. He, well, he was on the plane. Yeah. 
He was oh. on the plane with Holly McLean, so they were sitting near each other the whole time. Yeah. So whenever they cut to her, you would kind of get a glimpse of him. Didn't he try to make a call it's, back to the studio he, from the plane? He did make a call, yeah. He yeah. was reporting from the plane, and that's when, when he got zapped by that's the old right. lady's uh, taser. That's right. He was the voice. I cannot believe I didn't know this, or I didn't recognize this, but no, it's not him. Um, the next guy I want to bring up briefly, because I just cannot believe that he was the voice of this character. He was the voice of uh, Arthur Reeves in Batman Mask of the Phantasm. You have friggin' um, uh, what's his name? Hart Bachner. Alice. <laughs> yeah. You got friggin' Ellis and Batman. <laughs> oh my god, I cannot believe that. Um, he's still doing stuff. He was in Leverage a couple of years ago. Um, he was in The Starter Wife in 2008. Uh, Once Around the Park. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's anything more interesting here. He was in The Breakup in 98. Um, oh, wait, wait. Stop but, the presses. He was what? in Urban Legends. Final cut. Absolutely horrible horror film. Oh, no. No, no, no. Here's where you really have to stop the presses, okay? Take the picture of Douchebag Ellis, all right? Just picture that character in your mind, and then go watch Supergirl, because he was Ethan in Supergirl. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> now I remember him in that Oh man, I I thought, and you know, Supergirl. The best thing about that, I thought, was the hot blonde in skirt. Yep. And even then, oh, and God. and Jerry Goldsmith's music. Jerry Goldsmith's music in that is pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the music um, was good, but the rest of the film stunk up to high heaven. Um. Overall, this movie is is damn fun. It really, really is. Um. I think we're all just gonna have to agree to disagree on the whole. Uh, um. Christmas or Christmas time thing, because um, nobody's going to win that battle. Yeah, it, it's well, a losing battle. Again, I mean, there's just there's way too much evidence there. Uh-huh. I mean, come on, come on. I mean, later on, 2013, it's got its own little short, a diehard Christmas party. I mean, it, <laughs> wait, it, wait. it just doesn't get any more Christmas than that. Because I know that you want to say this, Stephen. Welcome to the party, pal. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. All right. Uh, the only other thing I want to bring up, I know we already talked about Clarence Gilliard Jr., um, but I completely forgot about this. He was also in another super famous 80s movie. <laughs> he was Sundown in Top Gun. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, he was. Yeah. He didn't get a whole lot of screen time either in that. No. <laughs> <laughs> and to really like take it back a, a whole hell of a lot of notches, he was – Played Frank Simpson in two episodes of Different Strokes. Oh. <laughs> At least he wasn't the gooch. If he was the gooch, that would have been really bad. <laughs> uh, All right. uh, Doug, what is your favorite scene from Die Hard? Oh, Jesus. I, this is tough to call it. I, I'm. You know, I would probably have to say when he falls, when he uh, blows up the elevator shaft and he's standing there and he's looking down at the fire and he's. He's cussing about the guy dying, straps all the detonators to the chair and pushes it in. And seeing that and going, oh, shit, and jumping away. That was probably my best, the best scene that I liked in the film. What about you, Stephen? 
you know, mine has got to be where uh, when Ellis comes in and is talking to Hans about trying to talk John down off the ledge, basically. <laughs> trying to get him to surrender. You know, Hans. Boobie, <laughs> I'm white knight. <laughs> and then he's just, he, he's, he's, got, he's got the walkie-talkie in his hand, just, just chilling. You know, he's asking for his Coke and, and talking to John like he's this shit and like he's going to get through. And then, bam, done. Have a nice day. Uh, Mike, um, what was yours? Me, uh, it's, I'm trying to think. Um, it's got to be when he was so excited for the police and the fire trucks showing up. He's like, no, 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 you dumb fucks. Come back. Turn around. <laughs> <laughs> yes and and of course you know what what he actually does do and when he gets a hold of 911 he you know he gets the radio and he starts radioing in mm-hmm. and we see reggie going through the am pm with all the twinkies and he's <laughs> the one who gets called in on this <laughs> oh that was great they're for my wife uh-huh uh-huh she's mm-hmm. pregnant uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> you know what? That that's a little bit of, of, of a plot hole there. I, I'd like to know how he got the Twinkies up to John McClain. Mm. They never explained that. Yeah. You know, you're right. They did. See? Time travel. Yeah. Teleportation. See? You know what? There you go, right there. That's a, that's just more proof right there. It's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's funny because ever since this role, uh, he actually would go out and people would not let Reggie Val Johnson. They, they wouldn't let him live down the whole thing of Twinkies about him always wanting Twinkies. And there were several there were several things where he would go out to his car and shortly after during on the set, he would go out to his car and he would find the passenger seat filled up with Twinkies. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's like, I love it. I just, you hear stuff like that, you kind of have to shake your head. Uh, Listen, yeah. if somebody wants to come by my car and drop off just a, a seat full of Twinkies, I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as long things? as it's not in 100 degree heat. <laughs> no, Twinkie, Twinkies can last through just about anything. True, we did see that on, uh, what was it, the the New Year's Eve episode of Family Guy, where they go to the Twinkie factory. Uh, at any rate, I do want to bring up this line here. Family Guy, motherfucker. Okay. That line was uttered in all five Die Hard movies. You know, the only exception, the, the, the only kind of thing I take a, exception to with this is how they kind of changed it for the fifth one. Yippee-ki-yay, Mother Russia. Come on, that's fucking yeah, cheesy as all hell. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's the best line. It's like the staple line of the movie. And if I, I think we could all agree on this. It is the best dubbed line ever. Oh, oh yes. yeah. So. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I, this is something that kind of blows my mind that I, I saw. If you translate yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker, in Urdu, it translates to... Here, eat this. <laughs> yes, one Makes of those. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, of course. You know, here, <laughs> eat shit and die. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I love that. Jeez, uh, there's so much. I mean, I'm trying to see if there's any other trivia that I have here. 
I really don't. Uh, you know, you were talking earlier about different people playing the role, and you know, every time I see you know notes like that on IMDb or Wiki or wherever, it's like I just because the movie is what it is. I couldn't imagine any like seriously. Who the hell could imagine you know the Terminator as John McClane? It just doesn't work. The yeah. cool you know the coolest thing is though they work together well in the first two Expendables movies. <laughs> you know they did. But, you know st- stealing each other's lines and everything. <laughs> now, if you really well, want to blow somebody's mind, they mm-hmm. originally considered Burt Reynolds for the role. Freaking Bernie, really? Seriously? Yep. Dead Bernie? Oh my god. Burt Reynolds. You know, you've got Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> you know, you've got Bandit doing this. No, I, I, I can't see it. It would have been... No, I, I can't. <laughs> no. I mean, he would have been he would have been in his... Let's see, he's like 70-something now or 80-something now and broke. But... I could not see him in his, you know, his fifties doing this type of role. Even now, I'm having a hard time seeing Bruce Willis do it in well, you know, "Live Free or Die Hard." It, it would depend on on how they used him for the role. No, you're not gonna you're not gonna see him running around and and things like that. But if they used him in the right capacity, it it could work. It, it you got to go into the Expendables movie thinking basically this is just these are just movies where they bring all these action stars together and they play off each other. That's that's all it is. Yeah, and it works so well. It yeah. really, really does. Um, you know, you mentioned Burt Reynolds. The only other thing I can think of is, outside of Weekend at Bernie's, is friggin' um, Woodrow Wood Newton from Evening Shade. Oh, God. Yeah. Burt Reynolds would not have worked as McLean. Yeah. There's just no way in hell. Yeah. Hell would have to freeze over and then reheat itself before that would work. Oh, there was, I I have to bring this up because this was a little inside joke that they stuck in, in the film. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's the scene where you see uh, Deputy Chief Robinson. He's talking about, he's talking about McLean to Al. And he Mm -hmm. says, you know, he could be a fucking bartender for all we know (laughs) because of, because of the fact that uh, Willis was able to spot a, uh, a, a fake ID, a phony ID. Mm-hmm. Okay. Before this, before he became a well-known actor, he actually was a bartender. <laughs> so yeah. So what you're telling me is we need to go back to the cocktail episode and have that discussion all over again. Oh god. No, <laughs> no. no I, I think we're pretty much done at this point here with this film. I mean, it's as we mentioned, it's a great film. It's it takes place at Christmas time. I'm going to say <laughs> it that it is the much. greatest Christmas movie of all time. There's just too much evidence there to support that. You're wrong. Yes. Now I have a machine gun. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho. Uh, no. It's no. Christmas, Theo. It's a time for miracles. Just all saying. Right. I could, I could go on. <laughs> Well, I think we're pretty much done with this episode here. Uh, I do want to thank everybody for listening to this episode talking about my generation. Uh, for those of you who want to go ahead and like us on Facebook, you can go there. We do have our webpage there. Uh, you can email us at mygenerationpodcast at gmail.com. Write us a message. 
Uh, I do want to thank, we do actually have a new like on our page. Uh, we actually have a woman by the name of Lydia Campos, who's actually not too far up the road here from us. She's up in Santa Fe Springs in California. Uh, so I do want to thank you, Lydia, for liking the page here and keep listening. Uh, I also have my sister-in-law's boyfriend, Trevor Allen Davenport. He just liked it as well. So hopefully, Trevor, if you're listening, you get a kick out of this episode. Uh, he actually had a suggestion that we may have to take off and do of really bad 80s cheesy action films. So I hmm, think we may Die have... Hard 2 could be in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's dubbed. Oh it, well, no! It's, that no, that's what makes it cheesy. They they when they dubbed it. <laughs> yeah, that we have to we had to put together some. That's that's another one we should do is really yeah. bad dubbed films. Oh God! Yeah. Well, now it, you know. I on, honestly, I think we could have a just a general episode saying films to dub or not to dub because nowadays they don't have any any creativity in dubbing stuff oh yeah you know for for tv oh yeah i I know i've mentioned liar liar about kissing her brains out instead of (laughs) fucking her brains out (laughs) yes uh so we we definitely have some topics there that we can put together uh but i want to thank everybody for listening again you know please please go out if you haven't done it already go out and leave us a review on itunes i still only have three uh, I, I'm still waiting for that bad review. And Mike, I know you had a bad review a while back. I'm waiting for oh, that bad review back to me. <laughs> I think we actually got him kicked off of iTunes and off of the Ooh. internet altogether. <laughs> I'll have to tell you about it off air because it's not something I need to air on something that isn't my own show. <laughs> uh, and for those of us who want who want to write in to us at Twitter or follow us on Twitter, we are there as well. I am S-P-R-Z-O-U-T, Sprizout. Mike, I know you've got yours. At DFGO and Mike. And Stephen, I don't know. Do you want to use Bask in My Awesome? Or Absolutely, cap- at Bask in My Awesome. There we go. Is there 31 flavors of that? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I remember the There's day. Some originality. I remember the day he got that email address. Baskinmyawesome at gmail dot com. <laughs> oh, that you had it on your desk at work, Jesus. <laughs> and you can still email it, and you'll get something in return. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you all for listening, uh, Mike. Do you have anything that you want to plug here for? for we are. We are currently doing our video game characters tournament. We just released round one, part two, which features all 32 bracket members. Um, and it is <laughs> it is pretty friggin' epic because we have uh, in just the original um, – where is that stupid episode? There it is. Um, we have – oh, crap. Wrong one. Damn it. Click. Open, damn it, open! Edit, edit! <laughs> right. Um, in the first... Of course he's... Not, stupid thing. There we go. In the first uh, in the first round, we have two... So it's kind of like March Madness kind of thing, but think of it as Super Smash Brothers as far as the character tournament. We had Mario versus Luigi, Yoshi versus Toad, Princess Peach versus Zelda... 
Link versus um, Mac from Punch Out, um, Beautiful Joe versus Mega Man, uh, and other. We had Kirby versus Pikachu. On the other side, we have um, Sly Cooper versus Crash Bandicoot, Spyro versus Rayman, uh, and, and a bunch of other ones. So right now, episode sixteen is online. Go listen to it. Hear our discussion. And then uh, vote on who you would think would win in an actual physical battle. Um, <laughs> so that's what's going on there. Uh, I'm going to give Doug the link to that as well as our other wars topic. Uh, back in twenty last year, we had an episode um, kind of ties into this whole whole mess. Uh, Die Hard versus Lethal Weapon. Which franchise is the better? Oh. God. So, <laughs> so go check that out, and you can click on that through the links that Doug will put in, in the post. Oh, yeah. That'll definitely have to go up. Yep. All right. Uh, so I want to thank you guys for coming on. Steven, thank you for joining us. Hopefully you'll come back for another episode. I'm not sure what you'd want to do with us, but we'll work on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> come back on an episode we actually agree on. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when we first met John McClane? Argyle picked him up from the plane and took him down to Nakatomi Tower to meet with Holly. He came to get her back and to be her man, but Hans and his buddies fucked up the plan, and that's about when everything went sour at the Christmas party. And the terrorists were overzealous, but it was sweet when they killed Ellis. And with a little help from Alan, John McClane.
right choice and the choice is plain We can live free or we can die hard As hard as we can From taking on a terrorist he's never led To taking on an F-35 jet With the greatest car explosions by far They sure look sweet, man And we know what the basic gist is There ain't no Alan and it's not Christmas We don't know but we're pretty sure that John McClane kicks out Yeah, they have a few laughs.